It's time for the spring sales event at the DGDG Mazda stores. Capital Mazda, Stevens Creek Mazda, Concord Mazda, and Team Mazda. Hey, it's Shondell Grand. And right now we've got a huge selection of brand new Mazdas with exciting spring incentives across our entire lineup. Plus, you can buy your new Mazda completely online with our exclusive no-brainer checkout. Don't miss the spring sales event at the DGDG Mazda stores in San Jose, Concord, and Vallejo. Listening to the San Jose Sharks Morning Tide, brought to you by Coors Light. Logan Couture wins it in overtime. Now, here's your host, Ted Ramey. Harrington back, backhands up the boards. Tough to do that. Held in there for a moment, but Malamaki couldn't elude the check of Hurdle and it poked back to center. Benino on the left goes to Lindblom. Lindblom shoots in. Benino cuts into the left corner. Digs it out, sends it in front, Sturm, backhand play, save, score! What an effort by Nico Sturm. He made a brilliant move to go to the backhand. That shot was stopped by Vimelka, but he kept pursuing it, and he poked it again, and it went over Vimelka and in, and the Sharks have tied it up 2-2. Wow, what a play by Nico Sturm. Yeah, there was uh, you know a little disappointed at the first period. I thought we came out of the gates pretty strong, and then I thought we got a little sloppy. Uh, but really liked the way we responded after being down 2-1, played a pretty good second period, and then really liked, obviously, our start to start the third where they, you know, we get the goal early and really thought we did a good job for the most part, you know, not giving them much after that and obviously get the, the big insurance goal. PK had some some big kills we needed, and, uh, you know, Capo was good in that, so, you know, it's a good way to start a second half. Oh, it is most definitely a good way to start the second half of the season. What's up, everybody? We are waking up winners on a Wednesday morning. That is some nice W-related alliteration. How's everybody doing? I was very, very happy with that game last night. Hey, entertaining game. And I want to talk a little bit more about Mullet Arena in a second. I may have given you my take on this earlier in the year when they hosted the, the uh, Coyotes. But, uh, you know, hockey to me is one of those games where I feel strongly in the sense that it is a game that rewards effort perhaps more than any other game. Like the work that you put in is often correlated with the result that comes out. It's not a 100% because there have been games this year, I can tell you, where the Sharks have outworked the opposition and they have not come up with a win. But I, I do feel like most of the time, the harder working team or the more effort field team comes away with a win. And that's not to say that the Coyotes didn't work hard last night, but I posted that Sturm goal for a reason because you could see the effort and the desire and the drive and the hard work that goes into fighting your way towards the net, getting a shot off, getting your own rebound and making something happen out of that. Like that to me is the essence of effort and why effort and hard work go such a long way in helping you win in the NHL because that was not easy that was not expected. That was not something that I think any of us really thought to ourselves is, oh yeah, this is the likely outcome of this play. It was like, holy crap, did he just actually make that go in? Like that was my reaction. I tweeted about it at the time. I may have dropped a bit more F-bombs and no, we're not FCC regulated, but I try and keep it clean for the kids at least here. But the things that I was yelling in my, in my family room at the time when that goal was scored, I mean, I was just, you know, holy effing S type reaction. Like that was, that was a hell of a goal. Like that just made me so excited in the moment. 
and made me so appreciative of Nico Sturm and what he has been since he's been on the Sharks. And you watch a goal like that and you see those guys fighting for it and they, they want to get those wins and they want to get those points and they want to get those you know moments over the course of the year. And I look at, you know, Nico Sturm just as well as I look as at Asimov and LeBanc and, you know, watch, watching Nick Benino do his thing all night long and Jacob Magna getting a goal. And, you know, I just, I feel like the Sharks too often this year, even if they have not been great, a lot of their efforts have gone unrewarded. Um, and that's just a cruel aspect of sports. But last night, I did feel like the Sharks' effort was the difference. Like, I did feel that some of those plays where they just maybe pushed a little bit harder or capo dove or where whatever happened that made me feel like the sharks were working harder. That was where it was like, okay, I see what's going on here. I see the effort off the four check. I see Matt Nieto who continues to be such a solid player, you know, go out there and get a big goal at just the right time. You watch the way that that game went down and it just felt good. A feel good win for lack of a better term. Cause they haven't, you know, come nearly often enough this year you know, I know there is a lot of you out there who want the Sharks to tank for Bedard. I just, I, it never sits well with me. And no, I don't believe that the Sharks would ever actually intentionally tank just because you try and get Logan Couture to not go absolutely ham on every single game and be the most competitive person on planet Earth. Good luck with that. Really, good luck with that because he is absolutely insane in that capacity. But, you know, I just think that Trying to put all your eggs in the basket of one player is never the safest idea. And I know that's not exactly what it is, and that might be a little bit of a mischaracterization on my side, but that's just what it feels like. It's like, let's not have any success for the time being and hope that somebody else comes and fixes it later. Now, you know, the Sharks, they got to all fix this together right now. They got to all be part of the solution, and that's why I am very hopeful of where this team can be in however much time it takes. You know, it's going to take time. I think we all know that. But you watch the effort like last night. This team is not defeated. This team is not, you know, over the season. They're not just done with it. They're still fighting. They're still trying to make themselves better. They're still trying to put out good performances. And I think we can safely say that they are better than the Arizona Coyotes at this point of the year. But I think it's good to know that this effort and culture is still one that desires winning over everything else. Because I think that, what you see going on with other franchises in the NHL is they've tried to build themselves back up. That can that can take a while, you know, and it's hard to get that losing out of your system. And I think the Sharks right now still have a number of players on their team that do not want to have anything to do with losing and want to make sure that their performances going forward at our a higher caliber. And listen, that, you know, might change as we get closer to the trade deadline. They were talking about it last night on the TV broadcast about how far away they are and you know, there's only, you know, about two months until the deadline, a little bit less than that by the calendar. But, you know, you you know it's coming. And these are going to be things that guys are going to be talking about and changes I think are going to happen. I can't say for certain, but it's, it's where this team is headed. And by that, I mean change. But I do think it's important to note that this team still also has the effort, has the drive, has the desire to win, is not buying into the talks to just roll over and put out bad performances. I mean, hell, I liked that performance against Boston the other night. I know it wasn't perfect, but, you know, they went down 2-0. They fought their way to get back into that game and make it a game, a highly competitive affair against the best team in the NHL. And that's, you know, where the Sharks are. We've seen them play to their competition all year long. I don't know that that's a good thing, but I think it's indicative of the fact that they are not that far off, so to speak. 
Um, but, you know, they fight. They want it. They have desire. They have effort. And they have drive. Kevin LeBanc is another one of those guys who I feel as of late has just a lot more jump in his game. And I think that's the biggest difference for, for Kevin LeBanc. If we look back at his most successful year, 2018-2019, when he had, I don't know, I think 56, 57 points uh, playing alongside Joe Thornton a lot of the time, there was more conviction in his game back then than we've seen since. But I do feel like as of late when we watch what Kevin LeBanc does out there on the ice, just has more jump just has a greater idea of what he wants to do, just has a greater idea of how he wants to get to the puck and things that he wants to make happen. I just feel like he's faster, he's stronger, he's making a better decision, or he's more convicted in his decision, and that's leading to him just be overall more popping player on the ice. And while he was sat down for a little bit after his uh, role on the second goal that was given up, there was obviously intent from the coaching staff to try and spur a reaction from him, and that's exactly what they got. But to watch Kevin LeBanc now have more of that spark in his game, and I maybe that's the most appropriate way to put it, it's like you see what type of an impactful player he can be. And right now, it feels like he's getting better and better as we get deeper into the year. He's at 10 goals. I think he's on pace for close to 50 points, which would be his best season again since 2018-2019. And I think that that number is going to trend in a more positive direction because he's just, he's playing better and better. He is becoming a more consistent goal scorer. He is, you know, just having multi-point nights as of late. He's a more consistent contributor. And that's exactly what Kevin LeBanc needs to be. And I think that to watch his game evolve and develop this year is a needed step. I think many of us have been waiting to see if Kevin LeBanc could get back to that player that we thought he was capable of being in 2018-2019. And obviously, his role on the five-minute major against Vegas, you know, we saw that high level of play that he's capable of. It just hasn't been there consistently. And of course, last year, he got off to a slow start and then was knocked out by injury. And a lot of us were wondering what his game would evolve into. And I, you know, have been very pleased with his effort this year. And I've been very pleased with the way that his game has been. So to watch him get these multi-point games to watch him get to the 10 goal mark to watch these things continue to trend in the right direction again very very happy to see that and um, you know I'm just excited to see if he can try and surpass what his previous season best was in terms of points because again right now it is trending in the right direction Matt Nieto last night I thought had a really really strong performance and just to watch the way his goal was scored there to kick off the start of the third period. Underway in the third period and a dump in and a little bit of a mistake by Arizona. It comes out in front, Barabanov to Nieto and he scores. The Sharks take the lead nine seconds into the third period after the opening faceoff and Matt Nieto in the right place at the right time. But what a job by Barabanov to steal it behind and get it in front of the net. A little bit of Ruzanowski for you there, but the Sharks being opportunistic on the forecheck to start off the third period. Right place, right time, being able to make something happen. We've talked about that a lot this year and how I feel that the best teams in the NHL are opportunistic and beyond that, they are good at creating the opportunities that they can take advantage of. And that's what I feel like we watched with the Sharks yesterday. Nieto's high watermark for goals in his career is 15 that he had back in 2017-2018 with Colorado. And I feel that that is the big outlier. There are other years where he's had 8 and 10, but right now he has 7 goals on the year and I believe he is trending towards having another one in terms of point production, one of the better seasons of his career. Because, you know, right now he is looking like he's got, what, 15 points? His career high is 27? Yeah, I mean, he could easily beat that. And I think that that's just a credit to the effort that he puts in. Because, again, 
you know, we've heard David Quinn talk about this. He's very honest in his, you know, workmanlike fashion about the game. He doesn't set you on fire necessarily, but he's got good speed. He's got good skill. He has high quality instincts. And I think that that just allows him to make things happen. His play on the forecheck, his play on the penalty kill. He's one of those guys, unfortunately, that probably many other teams as they get, you know, heading towards the playoffs would probably say, boy, that would be a nice addition to have on our team, especially as a kill option to put ourselves in a more depth valid position, you know, to have more of that ability to look up and down their roster and slot guys in, especially have a penalty kill specialist like that. Yeah. Nieto is very attractive in that capacity. And again, I would hate to lose him, but again, I also look at what might come in return for him as the Sharks build towards the future and maybe not towards today. And that's, again, it, it, it comes with every single conversation that we have about the Sharks right now, the here and the now versus the future. But it is something that ultimately we have to talk about with the team because it's a big part of where we are headed as a team, as a franchise. Like, it's not just about today. Yes, this is a podcast that reacts to every single game and we look at what's coming up on the horizon. But again, with the Sharks right now, it's the long term, not the short term. And that's not always the sexiest thing to acknowledge, but it is part of where the Sharks are and it, you know, colors every aspect of the game. We're always looking at, you know, who's... Who's going to be after a Nico Sturm? Who's going to be after a Matt Nieto? Who's going to be after a Timo Meyer? Who's going to be after Eric Carlson, potentially? Who's going to be after player XYZ? It's all part of the equation for where the San Jose Sharks are and what they can do to make themselves the best team in the long term because this year, barring a miracle, playoffs not on the horizon. Moving along, Kapo Kakinen had a very nice game last night. I thought that that was one of his better performances of the year. He came up with some big-time stops. He didn't let in soft goals. He looked very, very confident in his positioning around the net all, all throughout the game. And I feel that, you know, in light of some of his recent performances where he has not looked like his best or he's been put in very, very bad positions, I felt like this was one of his best performances where, you know, he was very fundamentally sound. You see the reasons why the Sharks are excited about him and wanted to acquire him in a draft. And I know that some people have been down about him. And listen, there are many reasons to not be completely enamored with the Sharks netminding this year. There was a tweet out from Greg Wyshynski a couple of days ago about the Sharks you know, goals against versus expected goals. And it's not exactly flattering for the Sharks, their defense and their net minders, but it is all part of where the team is right now. Like there's a lot of breakdowns. There's a lot of giveaways. There's a lot of just missed opportunities. And I think that Capo in particular wanted to bounce back from the performance he had because it was not a great performance in the slightest. And I think that that's important to see guys want to have that fight, to have that better performance, to have that higher quality game. It is all part of where the Sharks are right now. These are not perfect performances. These are not without their flaws, but it was more than good enough last night. And the Sharks, you know, coming from behind to tie the game, which, by the way, fun for Jacob Megna there. Face off drop. Sharks up 3-2. to two. Carlson and Megna shoot. Score! Jacob Megna getting a pass from Eric Carlson. He lets a shot go, and somehow it has eyes and finds his way through traffic and gets by the Melka. Sharks lead 4-2 with 5.50 to play. You know, the Sharks got what they needed last night. They were able to come back from a 2-1 deficit. They were able to take a lead early in a third period to give themselves a little bit of breathing room and some confidence to build on, and then they get that goal from Megna to make it 4-2, and, you know, that was all she wrote. It was not dominant by any means, and Arizona is in the midst of a six-game losing streak right now, and they are having a tough season themselves. But, 
you know, the Sharks need to be able to win games like this. And again, their road record continues to be better than their home record. But, you know, last night was one of those nights where the Sharks can look at themselves and say that their effort, that their conviction, their overall game was good enough to get the win on the road. And they've got another challenge coming up tonight on the road in L.A., taking on the Kings on the second night of a back-to-back. That's not going to be easy by any means, but you know what? Why not go out there and upset expectations and put two on the board to make the second half that much better than the first half? First half of the year started off with an 0-5 record. Sharks in the second half of the year, 1-4-1. All right, we're going to take a break. On the other side, we are going to get into some post-game reaction. You're on Morning Tide. That to-do list you have needs one more thing. Chill. It's an easy thing to do. Just crack open an ice-cold Coors Light and chill. Take the afternoon off and binge watch anything. Go to happy hour and stay for a couple hours. Who's counting anyways? Or hang out with just your dog because you've had enough human interaction this week. Whatever you do, do it with a Coors Light. Mountain cold refreshment made to chill. 2020 Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Celebrate responsibly. Welcome back to Morning Tide, brought to you by Coors Light. Back behind the Coyotes net, Meyer puts it back, classic right point shot toward the goal, knocked down, Meyer fires it toward the goal high and wide. Meyer's headed to the net, it's Pope, star! Kevin LeBanks in front of the goal should get credit for this as it goes up top. Hurdle was thinking about sending it across the rink for a breaking Meyer, and right out in front of the goal, it pops in, San Jose's up 1-0. I really like the way he responded, you know, listen, just uh just didn't like the second goal. I thought there was a little, you know, there was more there from him that he could have, you know, been a little bit more responsible. And you know, uh, but I liked how he responded, and that's kind of what we anticipated. Uh, you know, he's a big piece of what we got going on here, and he's had a good year. And you know, I like, I like, I like the response. Yeah, listen, mistakes happen, but you know, lack of effort can't be one of the reasons why a mistake happens. So, but I, after that, he a lot of great tracks, real good job in the middle of the rink, was responsible, forced turnovers. Uh, you know, did a really good job. And Nick Benino's 800th game was incredible. <laughs> uh, David Quinn having some fun there as Nick Benino's walking by while he's talking about Kevin LeBanks' game last night. And again, Banker, one of those guys I think we've consistently seen coaches, whether it's Pete DeBoer, whether it's Bob Bugner, whether it is David Quinn, they are hard on Kevin LeBanc because I think that they, like us, see that there is a lot more to his game. They see that he can be that much more of a contributing player. They see that he can be that much more of a higher caliber player. And I think with those guys, you have to be harder on him. You have to be a little bit more of that taskmaster because some guys do need that type of a push. And I think Kevin LeBanc is one of them. And listen, I trust David Quinn and the Sharks' entire staff to figure out how exactly they are going to be put in the best position to have success. And I think that sometimes that comes with being a little bit harder on certain guys. But ultimately, Kevin LeBanc, again, trending in the right direction. And that's ultimately what I want to see as the Sharks get deeper and deeper into this year. You know, I, I heard Jacob mention this on the post-game interview on the TV broadcast, but he talked about the idea that it's not, Mess, maybe necessarily reflected in the record, but they just want to be a better team. And I think that's an important mentality to have. And I think that you might see the record improve. You, you just might. I can't say for certain, but I would hope that the record does begin to improve and especially with more wins at home so that we see more and more from the San Jose Sharks to try and get more of that winning culture back in the locker room. I think that not that it's necessarily missing per se, because I don't think this is a team of quote-unquote losers or guys that are defeated mentally, anything like that. 
But I do think, and I've said this oftentimes, is that you need to have your guys being rewarded for their efforts. Last night, Kevin LeBanc was shown rewards for his efforts. That, to me, is a big part of the game. He was also shown, quote-unquote, punishment by being sat down for a bit for his efforts. So, right, like the, the hockey gods giveth and the hockey gods taketh away. And so Kevin LeBanc learned that lesson last night in two very extreme different ways. Let's talk a little Kapo Kakinen making a big save on the final play of the game just to emphasize the effort that he put forth out there on the ice the entire night long. Keller to Spear fakes the shot, gives himself some room, shoots. That's blocked by a, a body of Meyer sliding down to the ice and it went wide. Now it's thrown to the front of the net, chipped toward the goal by the Coyotes. A backhand shot at the horn, stopped by Kakinen, and this game is over. Capo Kakinen did everything to stop that, and it looks like he might even be shaken up a little bit, but the Sharks coming off the bench to congratulate Kakinen and to celebrate a 4-2 victory over the Arizona Coyotes. That game ends a four-game winning streak in Arizona for the Coyotes in the series, and it puts the Sharks on the board with two points for the first of a back-to-back -back set of games that concludes tomorrow in Los Angeles. Final score, Sharks 4, Coyotes 2. And again, that was another one of those effort-filled moments of the Sharks where the pride of Kappa was not going to let anything get in right there at the end of the game. And of course, all goalies are prideful. They're all going to try and do everything they can to keep those goals against as low as possible. But I feel like he needed one of those games where not much was going in. He was only going to give up two goals, a confidence-building performance. And I feel that Across the board last night may have been one of those games that we view as for the Sharks as quote-unquote confidence building. Like we look at the way that they played, we look at the way that they performed, we look at the conviction we saw from different players, the confidence overall, and I think that you can build on that. I think that's one of the things that the San Jose Sharks have been so devoid of this year is to be able to build from one game to the next because they've not been good at stringing together wins. You know what? They've had a three-game win streak. That's that's fine. I mean, I'm not going to argue against it, but it's not like that's something that you can point to and say, oh, well, we won three games in a row. I mean, that's like the bare minimum of a win streak in the NHL. But, you know, hopefully they can take some positivity out of this. And it's what we've been waiting for. Like all year long, we've been waiting for the Sharks to have one high-quality performance and follow it up with another high-quality performance. Like that is the very essence of of what we've been waiting to see. And I think that when you get leaders, a guy like Matt Nieto, who is not heralded for being a star, but he does all the little things right, you know, it makes a big play to help the Sharks get a 3-2 lead early in the third period, which they carry into a win. You know, you see your team acknowledging that after the fact. Logan Couture. He's been great. Um, he's, he's had a great career. Uh, he's been a great Shark. He, uh, his effort... Um, he gives it all every single night. He's, he's great in the penalty kill. Fantastic teammate. I can't say enough good things about ENC. Um, uh, we're lucky to, to have him here. Um, he's had a tremendous year. Fun to play with. I think there's a lot of guys, a lot of centermen that uh, would be lining up to, to have him on their line just because of how hard he works and the puck battles that he wins. So uh, him and Barbie have been a lot of fun for me to play with. And David Quint. Yeah, I mean, you know, he's, a, he's an honest player. And, you know, you know what you get out of Matt night in and night out. He's a very reliable guy. Uh, you know, he's got some skill to complement your top players. That's why he plays with those two guys. He's done a good job, and, you know, good to see him get rewarded statistically. 
And like I said earlier, he is on pace to have one of his better seasons in the NHL, if not close to having one of his best seasons. So let's see where this goes when all is said and done. Another one that we got to look at last night was uh, Asimont, who I really liked his uh, his game. Again, getting out there and fighting in game number one. Uh, showed some good speed, showed some good opportunity. So hopefully we get to see more from him. David Quinn. Well, he knows how to make an impression when you fight a guy twice your size. So, But you can see why we picked him up. He's got a good pace to his game. He competes. Got pretty good stick skills. So I was happy with him the first night. And again, you hope to see more from him as the season continues, just as you want to see more from everybody on the Sharks. And that's what makes tonight relatively important for the Sharks. Like, you look at the Kings and where they have been so far this year, and I'm, listen, they're, they're having a good season. I'm not going to deny that in the slightest. The Kings are where they are because they are just a little bit ahead of the Sharks in terms of their, you know, whatever we want to call it, the rebuild or whatever it is. But, you know, they are sitting at second in the Pacific Division. They have 24 wins, 14 losses, six overtime losses, 54 points, and they're pretty good at home, 13-7-2. So the Sharks do have a challenge in front of them. But this is, again, like you want to see the Sharks being able to rise to the challenge. And so far, if we break the season into halves, First half of the season, they often did not rise to the challenge. They were not good enough on various games, various nights, just simply not able to get it done. But I do look at ultimately where the Sharks have been this year, what they have gone through, so many close losses. I do expect a little bit of a pendulum swing for more of the breaks to go the Sharks' way. That doesn't mean it'll occur, but you just kind of figure that there's a law of averages that if the Sharks don't get those breaks in one half of the year, then they might come in the second half of the year. That You just might see a little bit more of those games where the Sharks are right there, where they do get the overtime wins, where they do get you know just a little bit more of the break. And I listen, I'm not a big believer in luck. I think you make your own luck. But I do think that in the randomness of anything that can happen when you enter the arena of hockey, when you're out there on the ice, you know, the bounces have not gone the Sharks' way. And I, I define that as something different than luck. I know we can have some sort of a semantic-filled argument about what luck is. But I would not be surprised to see more plays go the Sharks' way this year. And obviously, that could lead to a better record when all is said and done. And again, I know that everybody wants to see the team tank for Bedard. But that just, I can't, I'm not going to put my eggs in that basket. If the Sharks end up with Bedard, I'll be happy. Why not? You know, he's as much of a sure thing as anybody else in this specific draft. He's playing at a very high level. But also at the same time, if they don't end up with him, is is the franchise over? Do they not build for the best possible outcome possible? No, of course not. You continue trying to make the team as good as possible and maybe not as quickly as possible, but you want to set yourself up for an extended run of contention um, as soon as possible. But, you know, I, I look at Connor McDavid. They're not in the Stanley Cup Finals. They're not winning Stanley Cups. They are now underachieving this year. And they also have, you know, Dreisaitl on that team. And I know that team is not flawless, but, you know, you have to take these things into consideration. You generally do need a superstar to win a title in this league. You look at the Sidney Crosbys, the Alex Ovechkins, the Nathan McKinnons, you know, you go down the list. And I'm not ignoring that reality, but at the same time, I also think, you know what? You also need a lot of other players to be performing at that high of a level. And the Sharks need to develop those players around them. They need to bring in those players and they need to do as much as they can to get themselves in a position to have consistent success that is predicated on team success, maybe not individual success. Again, I'll take the superstars if they are there, 
But if they are not there, that does not mean that all is lost. That's just one part of the equation, and it is oftentimes an important part, but it is just one part of the equation. Hockey, like I said, it's an effort-filled game, right? Like it rewards hard work, but I also feel that it is a team game. You know, we often talk about which title is harder to win and which sports. It's not a great argument. I think every title is hard to win, but I do know that in basketball, you can have a difference maker because there's only, you know, so many guys on the roster and it's a different game. You know, you get into hockey, you need all four lines rolling. You need depth up and down the roster. You need a goalie. You need blue liners. You need everybody to be a part of the winning equation. Like, you'll love the superstars, right? But it's not enough just to take one team over the top or else Wayne Gretzky would have many, many more titles. And I'm not trying to say that he should have more titles. That's, he's, he's the great one. But it's obviously not easy. It obviously takes the entirety of a team to win a championship. And that's the goal here, right? Like, I don't, I don't just want to go to Sharks games and watch a superstar. I want to watch a Stanley Cup contention type team. I want to watch a team that I think might be able to lift Lord Stanley's Cup overhead and put a new banner up in SAP Center. I know that seems like a far off vision right now, but isn't that what you want? Like, I would have a hard time believing that that is not the outcome that we're all rooting for. And does that mean that we can't get there if there's no Bedard? I, I don't think so. I think there are a lot of good players in the NHL. I think there are a lot of good players that are on the come in the minor leagues. I think there are a lot of good players out there that are in upcoming drafts. I think that there are a lot of good players other than Bedard in this draft. So, again, I understand you see one thing that looks like a sure thing. There have been a lot of quote-unquote sure thing, things that have not panned out. I know that it's easy to look at his performances and be wowed by it, but you know if the Sharks don't get him, that can't be the end of the plan. That can't be just the end of the arc for the Sharks. It's just got to be, you know what? You figure out how to do it one way or another. If the entire plan is predicated on getting Bedard, then Mike Greer should never have been hired. And I think he would agree with that because you can't just have one outcome. You can't just only have one thing that you're going for and not have a backup plan if that doesn't come to fruition. There's no way. I have not talked to Mike Greer about this, but I would literally bet my entire life and family that Mike Greer has a plan that, it can, that goes beyond one player. All right, we are out of time, but be sure to join us on the buildup later this afternoon as the Sharks get ready to take on the Kings. From Southern California, for the San Jose Sharks, I'm Ted Ramey, signing off. You've been listening to the San Jose Sharks Morning Tide, brought to you by Coors Light on the Sharks Audio Network.